0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: I'll start off optimistic this episode, Uh and I'll just get it out of the way for you, Ryan. Okay. Eric Comrie is a
0: savior. He is perfect as a Red Wing. It's so predictable. You needed to space that joke out because three minutes between it is just not good enough.
1: (laughs) No, I was going to. I was, I'm just sparing Ryan the, uh, just get it, out of the way. sit out, sitting on it for 30 minutes.
2: I saw Comrie and Nett last night and I just went, Brad, I can, I can hear you from my
1: house. Were you almost hoping Pittsburgh scored so I couldn't make that joke? A
2: hundred percent, I was. At okay. that point, what was the difference? I was watching the game last night where, um, we were working in the house, you know, as we have been for the past seven years, I think it is now. Is that, um, is that money in the jar? Yeah, probably. And, uh, Mel's family was over. <laughs> I had the game on, and I was looking down, like, doing something else, I think, during play at some point. And Pittsburgh scored, and I kind of just, like, looked up and grunted. And Zant goes,
0: oh, no, Ryan, uh, your team's losing. And I was like, yeah, they tend to do that. You're becoming Brad. Brad is now narrating his tweets that he sent. Or you're narrating the tweets you sent, and that's what Brad does. Okay, but the reason I'm comfortable doing that is because I know Brad does the same thing, so he'll never call it call it out and since what are you on twitter my i just uh, the only tweet i sent yesterday was water emojis so i can't really narrate that (laughs) i mean (laughs) i'm so you see you not paying attention can you just go back to it's
1: convenient when you don't i'm uh i'm fact checking you we have over twice as many listeners on a normal episode as i do followers so you know they don't know what
0: we're doing no (laughs) yeah but now they'll know to skip your uh your tweets, because they've already heard it. They got, the, they got the audiobook version of your Twitter feed.
1: No, no, no. The 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 half of the listeners that are following me already know to skip my tweets. This is true. Oh, our last Twitter goal
2: for 2019 is yours, Evan. So you need to be tweeting more. I'm
0: real close. <laughs> I know, but... I'm real close. What are we trying to get Evan We're to? We're trying to get Evan to 2K. I'm oh. 1941.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, geez. Not you're a right, great year. Yeah, Not you're right in the year. middle of the war, eh? Yeah, so we... <laughs> Uh, podcast hit 3,500, Brad and I hit 3,000, and Evan, we've been... (laughs) And since we, like, announced that we want to get all of us to these specific goals and Evan's being 2K, I think
0: Evan has tweeted three times and (laughs) jumped 60 followers. Uh, yeah, that's probably about right. Or whenever the podcast account uh, tweets something, I get a random spike. Are you, uh, are you, like confused on days where you jump like 20 followers
2: and you didn't do anything
0: no because i know that's a normal day <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, must be nice when you when you make it big please remember us
0: i will so try i'll be I selling ask. you guys uh all the stupid stuff the instagram models sell oh
2: <laughs> will, as long Skinny as you teeth. post
0: the same yes same pictures absolutely <laughs> i'll get out my man thong just for those if you are posting identical pictures i will
1: buy four times whatever your monthly quote is no, I will never. <laughs> you don't want to send pictures of you and a manthog to Brad for money.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know, every man's got no, the it's price. Not, they I don't can't have to be sent no. to me.
1: I need the general public to be in on this too. Uh, okay, that's the whole point of it. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. It's Sunday morning. I'm Ryan Hannah. I'm Brad
2: Crisco,
0: and I'm Evan. I have nothing this morning. <laughs> I'm dying. Why are
1: you dying? Oh, are I've you been
0: sick, and last night I did curling for seven hours. Uh, it was like a Christmas tournament, and. Um, for some reason, so obviously the rink is cold, mm-hmm. but the inside was probably ninety degrees Fahrenheit. So you walk into this wave of heat every other hour. So you go on the ice for an hour, then you're in for an hour while the other half of the tournament plays, and then you keep flipping back and forth. Who knew that would wreak havoc on your immune system? Oh yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I could feel like the blood like thinning in my in my veins. All right, so. Outside of my 100-day cold that I
2: had earlier in the spring, I'm the healthiest out of all of us right now. That means it's end of days, right? Do you because guys get I, flu shots? I do, but I haven't got mine
0: yet. I did. Last year, didn't get sick a single day. I haven't got it yet. I've been sick pretty much since it got below 5 degrees. Last year's was very effective. They predicted the strain correctly. What what are, what are the gambler's odds on this one? Um,
1: uh, I'll tell you. My entire family got uh, the, our flu shots three weeks ago. Me and Mika have already got the flu. So, not It's a super out- virus. Yeah. Outlook not so great. Well.
0: Um, <clears throat> I'm looking it up. Public health. Like, Mika's literally has it as we speak. So, last year when I got it, my lymph node under my... Uh, in my armpit. Like, under the arm that I got the needle in was, like, so swollen. And it hurt. So, it honestly felt like I, like, had a deep bone bruise in my rib. Like, on my ribs. That sucks. I've yeah. never had that. I, it was so weird, but I didn't get sick. So I, I always, like, yeah, I always
1: okay. hear these stories about people having awful reactions from needles, and I've never had one in my life. And now I've, I'm par- like I've never been paranoid to get needles because I've never had a bad experience. And now everybody's just telling me all these horror stories.
0: Eh, it's still worth it. I'd rather not get sick.
1: Yeah, no, I'm pissed because I got the needle and the flu this year. So yeah, this year's
2: um, based on like one. MD in New York.
0: Okay, perfect.
2: They said this strain is meant it should be about 47%
1: effective, which is relatively high.
0: That's a coin flip. So basically, 50
1: 50, only 50% of my family's been sick. So there we go. I know that's not how it works.
0: (laughs) Yes, anecdotally.
2: (laughs) All right. Speaking of things not working, the Detroit Red Wings played their first game in five days, and boy, did they not skip a beat. Although, That's unfair. I think they had a better effort overall.
1: It was a fantastic third period. Yes. Um, They
2: lost in a 5-3 game to uh, the Penguins, as kind of everyone predicted would happen. Uh, The Penguins, who were coming off of a back-to-back, I believe. Yep. Or something like that. Or they they had played essentially three games in the days that Detroit had off. Um, Bright spots. Let's start with bright spots. Uh, The Red Wings' best players continue to be their best players in Hronik and Fabry and Larkin. Yes. Um, Zadina did see time with Philpla and Athanasiu, which is a noted improvement. Yes. Um, He was one uh, lucky foot shot block away from his first goal of the season.
1: Yeah, that's how you know he's cursed when it hits Jack Johnson's skate blade on a two-on-one. Jack own goal Johnson. Yeah. Bastard. If that... If that was anybody but Philip Zadina, that thing is going off Jack Johnson's skate blade bar down. Oh, absolutely. Um, Larkin in
2: the last two minutes looked like Larkin of the beginning of the season, which was very nice to see. He's been picking it up the past few games. Yep. Which has been important. He's sick of the losing. Uh, bad.
1: Defense. Oh, boy. It's just when, I, when there was a penguin coming through the neutral zone, it was just the parting of the Red Sea. <laughs> Like that defense made Detroit look like
2: they were playing Evgeny Malkin with Detroit's current defense. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: that sounds about right.
2: <laughs> that was the goal. Malkin scored, and she went, "Oh no, Ryan!" I went, "Yeah, I mean, it was Malkin does happen.
1: what he wants. He does what he wants. He's a loose
2: cannon." Uh, yeah. It's kind of a prototypical Red Wings game this season. Like there's not too much to dive into because it's, you know, the Red Wings did some things good, a lot of things bad that you'd expect to be bad and they played a better team with more talent. Quick
0: question. Yeah. When was the last Red Wings regulation win? Give me the date. Don't look it up. I want it uh, off November park-
1: 4th. Uh they've definitely won since Hank was born. I think they've won a couple. Oh, so I'm going to say bad. November November
0: 9th close it was the 10th that was last last regulation win Ooh, and of course course that was when we beat boston beat vegas beat anaheim oh yeah that (laughs) when you tweeted out the upcoming schedule and they won all three yeah so Uh, i'll continue to not so so my life just
1: kind of went to hell in a weekend because that weekend was also the weekend i popped my shoulder out so Mm -hmm. yeah it's been pain and suffering and yeah uh
2: funny like stats about regulation wins i'm just gonna dive away for a second um detroit uh, beat Boston wait no some oh yeah Detroit beat Boston on the road uh Boston lost at home yesterday for the first time this season that is absurd before oh, it gets, that it gets crazier the before that the last Boston professional sports team to lose in regulation at home was the Red Sox baseball ended months ago
0: oh i I see what you're saying the
1: Patriots and the celtics the like, Red
0: Sox I don't remember that hockey team. <laughs>
1: The Patriots, the Celtics, and the Bruins up until yesterday had not lost at home at all this season. And everybody wonders why we all hate Boston sports.
0: Oh, there's multiple reasons why we hate Boston sports. Yeah, the, the Red Wings have made a good effort
2: Uh, keeping their lead on the tank they had a a few a couple weeks there where they were just building on the lead and then la and ottawa have really kind of regained their form and losing (laughs) regulation but detroit has just been a stalwart in keeping pace for pace with them
0: new jersey you don't want to win neither do we no yeah exactly you lose we lose this is like that married couple
1: that just refuses to talk to each other and it's just gotten way out of hand yeah at this point
2: someone's like if they don't talk to each other soon they're gonna finish with like 32 points on the season and like, I'm not doing it, I'm not winning. Sorry, no
0: there, I'm sure there's another ver- another game of the toilet bowl against New Jersey at some point. Uh, there's a toilet bowl game against LA on the
2: 15th, and that's pretty much it for basement like bottom feeders. They got Winnipeg on Tuesday and then Thursday. That's a uh, in
0: Winnipeg on Tuesday and uh, at home on Thursday, so. That's their upcoming two the games. The game is tentative in Thursday because it's now winter in Winnipeg and there's a high chance you can't make it out. I mean, there's no airport, right? So mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta fly out. Drive?
2: Or you gotta drive to fly out. I actually don't know if there's no airport. I've just seen it going around
1: Twitter and it's really funny. No, I've seen interviews with players saying that they have to fly into Thunder Bay or I forget oh, what the no. other city is and, and buss in. Oh, no. Are you serious? Yeah. You have there, to there, there was there were two there were two airport options that I remember reading about, and I I'm 90% sure one of them was Thunder Bay. I cannot remember what the other one was. That's devastating.
0: It's not good when you're a major city and you have to fly into Thunder Bay to drive to it. Anytime you have to fly into Thunder Bay, you're doing something wrong. And I'm sorry for you should never three, have to say that. Yeah, I'm sorry for our three listeners in Thunder Bay. Please, they're they're just getting like the episodes from four months ago. <laughs> Their internet's that slow. <laughs> There's significant others out cranking the electric the electricity bike <laughs> to power the house in the router. <laughs> uh,
2: when we when we scrap like old routers and stuff, they just people rummage through the garbage and send them up to northern Ontario. It's true. Uh, yeah, so Zedina got sent down and called back up before this game. Um, he he started uh, out on his typical Helm Nielsen line. He had a good play to Helm. I'm not going to blame Helm for it. It went into his feet. He looked all right. Um, then they pulled him off that line, which I thought was good. They want to keep Fabry up with Larkin and Bertuzzi. Now, I get the impression that Fabry is up with Larkin to kickstart Larkin. And to Blaschel's credit, it seems to be working a little bit. Uh, he looked much more dangerous. really want to talk about Fabry's positioning. We talk a lot about his hockey IQ. That guy knows how to be in the right place at the right time. And even if you look at the rebound goal he scored, like, A, if you think that's easy, think about why you haven't seen a lot of it over the past few years with the Detroit's because it's only easy if you know to be there, which he did. Uh, and, B, if you look at the shot, he almost adjusted the angle of his shot mid-fire. He realized that he'd have to raise that puck a little bit more because um, – that was Matt Murray in that last night, right? Yep. My- Matt Murray almost made the. <laughs> Max pointed it out. He almost made the save of the century with his hand behind the- his back. Uh, Fabric caught that all while in motion of shooting and uh, just raised the puck that l- extra little bit more to fire it in, essentially bar down. So that kind of thing is what really sells me on fabry i don't think he's going to be a you know 12 points and 14 games player for his entire time with the red wings i don't think we just magically scored a 70 80 point guy um but i sure think he's going to be able to produce so long he as he keeps this up stays healthy and has decent enough line mates to play with because he has had top
1: six minutes from the moment he stepped onto this team if I ever had to write an article explaining the difference between a line driver and a really good complementary player, I think Robbie Fabry would be my header picture because he is a definition of the perfect complementary player. Oh, absolutely, he does not have the skill to drive a line. He does not have. If you put him with a couple boat anchors, if we're being honest here, he'd be useless. I don't think he'd be in the position that Zidane has been in, where he, hey, he looks good, but nothing's actually happening. Um, but when you put him with players who can drive a line like a Dylan Larkin, or if he ever got on a line with an Athens CU, he gets to the right spots to finish the plays to be available for outlets, to be available for support. And when needed, put the puck in the net when given the opportunity. And it's, it's stuff like that. You can't teach. And it's, I know there's already a movement going around about, Oh, do we flip Fabry for a return already? Stop.
2: Fabry has no trade
1: value. He has, he's done this. As happy as we are, he's done this for a month. There's no GM in the league that's going to go, oh, my God, a first-round pick. Here you go. It's not going to happen. And that being said, right now, the way Fabry's playing, he's probably more valuable than a late first-round pick, in all honesty. Uh, well, he was a late first-round pick, so, you know, fitting.
0: Where
2: Where
1: was he drafted? 20? 21st, give or take, somewhere okay. around there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's – hey. He's got value and I know Max just put out his article about potential RFA resignings and Fab Fabry was the top of the list of the most likely to be resigned, to which everybody went, well, yeah. <laughs>
2: There's a couple people who have mentioned to me that they don't want him up there because they want to clear room in the top six. And you know what? That's actually a pretty fair notion a lot of the time because usually a guy who's producing well for Detroit that they just acquired, uh, who's doing better than expected, is not 23 or 24 years old they're like 30 31 and it's kind of a trap player because then you sign them to five years to for too much money and their name is franz nielsen um i know that's not how it went down with franz nielsen he was signed as a ufa it's not far off um that being said fabry is a little bit of a different case he is 23 to 24 there's no difference between a young guy that's fabry and a young guy that came up through the red wings organization they're a young player with a lot of potential a lot of good years ahead of them it means that they're useful to this team. So it's kind of a diamond in the rough in terms of the kind of player you want to keep on through a rebuild. If you're rebuilding in general, you're not trying to bring on a ton of, uh, like bring on a ton of external talent to sign for skill, for long-term skill, unless they're young and they are actually talented enough to play in your top six.
1: So that's where Fabry lays. From building a contender standpoint and understanding that cap management is part of that, you need guys in your top six that are going to come in cheap because they're good complementary players. Other than the style of play that they play, fundamentally, what's the difference right now between a Tyler Bertuzzi and a Robbie Fabry? Oh, in terms of production, not much. Nothing. Yeah. So if you have one of those guys for the first line and one of those guys for the second line, we know the first line's complete when healthy because Larkin, manthan Bertuzzi is a legit first line. You could argue Athanasiou is a line driver and a legit second-line player, so all that that top six could be missing right now to be a legitimately really good top six is a good second-line center. We love Philpola, but he ain't that. So if a Joe Valeno pans out or, say, the Red Wings end up drafting a Quentin Byfield, they don't need to tinker with that top six a whole hell of a lot. The only time you drop a Fabry or Bertuzzi out of the top six is if all of a sudden you have a scoring third line. Because the Red Wings' problem right now isn't the top end of the forwards. No. When healthy. It's the depth. They've We were talking about that uh, chart a few weeks ago where the Red Wings' top six was top ten in the league and their bottom six was dead last in the league in terms of production. So, yeah, th- this isn't the problem. And if they're producing with Robbie Fabry there, this isn't an issue.
2: If the Red Wings go uh, Bertuzzi, Larkin, Mantha, and then Athenasiou, let's say Byfield, uh, Fabry as their top six, that makes Athenasiou the oldest of those top six. And it makes him maybe the weakest player of those top six, all things considered. That is a amazing problem to potentially have. I know we do this sometimes, we get a little bit giddy about like the what could be with our top two lines, but... Uh, the Red Wings are not far off of having a pretty decent top six. There's no superstar, um, and there's no
1: like. There could well, if we're drafting a Lafreniere or a Byfield, there will be a superstar. Right? Yeah.
2: And you know what? I still have belief that Mantha can just explode for a fifty
1: goal season. He was on pace before he got injured, or pretty damn close to it. How much longer is he out? Too much longer. I don't know. It's driving me nuts. But um, I think
2: they're being a little bit coy with his ankle sprain.
1: Now, the true value in Andreas Athenasiou as a Red Wing, though, getting back to him here in that second line, could be this upcoming draft. Because a lot of, there's a lot of talk around the hockey world of, if you're picking first overall, who do you pick? Alexi Lafreniere or Quinton Byfield? Most people will say Lafreniere because he's unbelievably talented. Some people will argue Quinton Byfield. Well, because he's got the unique tools and he's a center and all things being close, you go with the center. I mean, I still have Lafreniere pretty comfortably ahead of Byfield. But you don't need to pick Byfield because if you want to take Lafreniere and put him immediately in your top six, hey, now would be a good time to shift Athanasiou back to center. Because if you have Fabry, Athanasiou, Lafreniere on your second line, that's a damn good second line. So he provides the Red Wings the luxury of not having to pick a weaker player based on position.
2: Because Lafreniere drives a line from the wing.
1: Yeah, you do not need to worry about Anthony to see you at center if his winger is Alexi Lafreniere. Oh man, I
0: was, I don't think that's gonna happen.
1: That our last—it's an eighteen percent chance. So yeah, it's I'm not holding my breath. But our last draft lottery live stream—we never paid attention to
2: YouTube stats for a while until we started pouring a ton of money into equipment. Um We didn't. We once we started like really focusing on YouTube, like in the summer, late summer, like August. Uh, we looked back at old stats in the draft lottery. Live streams were like 5,000 viewers. (laughs) We're like, oh boy, if Detroit is dead last going to this lottery, it's gonna somehow make everything else seem so insignificant. And I'm so concerned about the fallout for when they inevitably drop to four.
0: I ran ten the other day instead of just one to get a little bit of a sample size and we picked first twice. Oh so that was actually better than you were than the odds. That's almost exactly on odds. You beat it by two percent. But I would say most of the time we were drafting fourth. All right.
2: Well you know what we're doing now? We're gonna do one tankathon.
0: I got Detroit picking
1: second all right and i'm gonna do it in- and <laughs> so i've got new jersey new jersey oh no picking first the red wings get second anaheim gets third hey i'm good with byfield I'm mine carried. is a nightmare scenario uh is it toronto chicago who else would be awful in there montreal and then detroit toronto ottawa by way of san jose
2: chicago
0: oh god mine was calgary no no that's not allowed well, whatever. If if, I, if they we're jump not, twelve, if we're not getting Lafreniere,
1: I'd I'd be happy him going out west. It's,
0: it's Calgary, Detroit, New Jersey,
1: Ooh, L. A., Ottawa. So there we go. So we got uh, out of three tankathons here. We got two Quinton Byfields, or maybe someone does something crazy and takes Byfield first overall, and we get a Lafreniere. I just don't understand why the nhl is okay with giving new
2: jersey another chance at a first overall pick
0: weren't we trying to avoid the edmonton situation sure were Yep. but come on down 14th last well what would that be 17th place team, you have a chance at getting first overall.
1: Don't forget the Carolina Hurricanes just missed the playoffs when they ended up getting Andrei Svechnikov.
2: You know, yeah. I understand this like I I get that everyone thought this or a lot of people thought this was the right solution when they adjusted the draft lottery. I did. I was like this is way better because before it was just like teams were tanking too aggressively. I don't know how many times we we're going to bring up the gold plan before it, either the eventual heat death of the universe or something changes.
1: I because again, right now what we're sitting here, Zling fans going, "Well, the goal plan requires wins, so how's that play in Detroit's favor? Oh, they'd have such a head start from when they were mathematically eliminated that they'd string together enough overtime losses to get a good head start.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd be fearful everybody. that New Jersey somehow, once the pressure of playoffs or making the playoffs is over, would go on a heater. well they would uh, they would have kept John Hines until they were
2: mathematically eliminated him uh, eliminated, they'd fire him, and then they'd bring on a new coach.
1: I'm still fully on board for like a four or five-team tournament right as soon as the season ends. That like four-day gap between the end of the regular season and the playoffs. How are you going to have guys play
2: to bring on uh, – increase the likelihood of them losing their jobs though? I don't care. But they'll care. For a million dollars a year, you can play. But they won't. I That's the thing though. For a million dollars a year, these are the guys making only
1: a mil – they're not going to play. They're going to want to lose. Hey, it could be the final audition for a few guys, right? Like, hey, are you worth keeping around? No, that's not how the NHL... Man, You look at the guys that's who a, keep getting... That is not like, happening.
2: Look at the guys who get brought back on PTOs every year, pretending that they're all of a sudden amazing players again. Jeff Blashill is about to try Justin abdicator at center yeah. 13 years into his career. Can we talk about that? Because that is the biggest you know pro gamer move that you could possibly have
0: we're picking we're picking at anything right now we're throwing everything at the
2: wall we're considering trying Abdulkader at center and what what was Blashill's what did he say it was uh you know he came into this league as a center or something like that I'm like no, he didn't in oh seven did he i'm not sure every every winger <laughs> played center at some point in juniors or college right yeah that's fair it's uh it's that thing that we all get trapped into it when we're like, maybe he'll play center, but in the end, no one actually. There's no like, let's let's be honest. There's no actual centerman in hockey. Having a, a good centerman is a myth. It's just wingers who are used to play center that were trying back there. Even Connor McDavid, not actually center. Sidney Crosby, not actually center. Wayne Gretzky, right winger. That was all a joke
1: for anybody who didn't get it. I- um uh- my favorite part. Of, paying attention. My, yeah. my favorite part about trying advocator at center is when you have one of the better centers and faceoff guys on the team in Luke Lendenning currently playing wing. <laughs> it's I, I love this nonsensical bullshit that the Red Wings do for absolutely no good reason other than that. Center depth is one of the things the Red Wings actually had. Not good depth, but depth because they had Athenus, you can play center, Larkin. Philpla, Nielsen, Glendening, Helm, N. These are all centers. Why are we even considering putting a player worse than all of them at center?
0: Yeah, the applicator doesn't skate better than any of them, so I don't imagine why this would be an effective solution.
1: Because he had four good games early in the season, and people immediately forgot the 15 bad games that followed. I believe you mean 15 bad years. <laughs> Also, yes. Uh, the, the Something I want
2: to say about Luke Lindenning is, you know, you remove the context of who he was displacing in the top six, which in our mind was Zidina. Um He's really done a great job this year of doing everything that could reasonably be asked of him and more in his roles that are far beyond where he should be on the ice, right? Him playing on the top line or in the top six, like, I think he's actually done a pretty great job of filling in and at least – at the very least, not dragging those lines down, which is difficult to do. Um, <clears throat> I'm asking for a lot of angry Twitter mentions by saying this, but, you know, Darren Helm has a lot of the same qualities, and he can also move with the play pretty well in the top six, but where he falls short is his ability to convert on very, very easy chances that should result in goals. Um He's actually pretty decent at getting the pass on uh, on the stick when he has an opportunity, but Darren Helm will often whiff on those chances. Uh, I feel like Luke Lindening maybe isn't as good as Helm at putting himself in the right position to even get those chances, but at the same time, uh, I think his conversion is a little bit better, and I think his ability to keep the play going without you know whiffing on a shot or or, or missing on something like that is um, pretty good. Uh, you you don't consider the fact that Zadina should be in the top six and not him, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know what? Luke Linden is doing a pretty great job for a guy who's just doing
0: his best. He way- didn't ask for it. No, I and mean, he's a, he's a really good athlete. Yeah, and you, that's very obvious. If he had any finishing ability, he would be one of the best players on this <laughs> team. <laughs> well, I mean, only on the backhand does he. He only has
2: finishing ability, and the then
0: he has hand. that one off wing like. Wrist shot bar down. Inside s- every season.
2: Inside out, slap the players he skates by and just goes bar down while already celebrating with one hand.
1: It yeah. Was, yeah It was only a few weeks ago that Glenn Denning successfully pulled off a backhand toe drag on a defender. Didn't finish, but came close. He's got a few of those every year where it's just like where and what the hell was that? And then we don't see it for another month.
0: The nice thing about him is you can move him up and down the lineup and he's not an anchor. Yeah. He, he doesn't is- finish to play in the top six but he, he can certainly hold his own from an athletic standpoint luke glendening is
2: what every old school coach thinks they have in any given grinder
1: yeah luke glendening is what justin avidol thinks he is
2: <sighs> i think luke glendening is what jeff Flashell thinks justin yeah Abdel-Cator that's a better is. Way of phrasing it might like it was he's actually kind of a poison right like he's like um it's when the dealers give you the good stuff before suckering you in with the stuff that's all cut up with the I don't know. I don't. I don't do drugs. Well.
0: Oh, I thought you meant a car <laughs> dealer. You like, should. It make makes sense. the season go way faster.
2: Oh, uh, you know. I live in Kitchener now, and so <laughs> they just kind of put it in my mailbox for free. I don't know what to do with them yet. I've been throwing them into my fireplace like flu powder from Harry Potter. Not much happens. They're oh. called
0: sample packs.
2: Yeah, dog's been acting funny. Ah, she's just a weird dog, though.
0: It's fun for me that after you guys basically
1: ripping on Kitchener for the entirety of this podcast, technically, I'm the only one who doesn't live in Kitchener now. <laughs> yeah, we
2: both moved in. <laughs> That's true. That's true. What's, we just want to be closer to the Rangers. Um, no, like, you know, yeah, six-game winning streak. It feels nice, right? <sighs> Nothing feels nice right now, Brad. Blashill and, and Babcock came into the Red Wings with Luke Glendening, and they were like, oh, so my idea of this perfect grinder slash somewhat talent player is true. And then it's just ruined them and their impression of every other player who can do that. Truly, we are all, you know, held back because Bla- Babcock left before Toronto could give us a first-round pick for Luke Lindenning.
1: Would it be the ultimate flex-slash-troll if Kyle Dube is traded for Luke Glendening now? Absolutely. Please, God.
0: That would be the only good thing.
1: I would I would love to see Mike Babcock's
0: reaction. Before we transition to Mike Babcock, can we discuss very briefly Brandon Pierolini? Yeah. My I haven't been watching the games. Oh, you just want to talk about him in general? Yeah, I haven't seen him do anything in a long time, so I'm just wondering what's going on. He had a couple
2: games where he it looked like he knew that he hasn't scored yet, and he was just firing from all
1: angles, uh, and that faded away. Um, playing on the fourth line with Christopher Ryan is certainly not helping him at the moment. No. He did get limited looks in the top
2: six. Very limited. I think he got limited second line looks. Um I don't know. I, I haven't seen enough from him to start, you know, shouting from the rooftop, rooftops to put him in with Fopal and Athanasiev to get him going. I don't really think that's the best player to be putting up there right now. I'd rather prioritize Zudina. I wouldn't be upset if they did it because I think it would work because the guy is a shooter. Um, at some point, you have to say, no, he's not cursed. He's just maybe he has a
1: good shot, but not an accurate shot. I don't know how to put it. He He's had his chances. He's had a lot of he chances. He hasn't finished any of them. Uh, a couple of them just by circus saves from the goalie. Uh, He doesn't generate chances for himself, though. He seems pretty um lukewarm when he has the puck, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, his skating had he he was advertised as a really good skater when he got here. I haven't seen it. Hmm. Um, he's guy. He's quintessential guy. I don't think he's quintessential
2: guy. I think he can be a little bit more than that.
1: If if the Red Wings are building are are structuring their forwards as a good team should structure their forwards. He's a good third or fourth line winger with the understanding that in this structure, you're actually trying to score on those lines, whereas mm-hmm. Detroit just th- completely writes off their bottom six to be all defense. Um,
0: so under so, Jeff Blaschel, he's getting five goals a year.
1: So if we if we solved hypothetically that second line center problem and the third line was Hiroshi, Philpla Perlini, or that was the fourth
0: line when the Red Wings are really good. it doesn't make me upset.
1: No, that's that's a little more what, uh, Perlini, where Perlini is suited Because he's not going to light the world on fire There but he's Good enough that he won't be an anchor Defensively there he'll be playing with a couple guys Who will help there and given that Hiroshi and Philpla can generate Some chances he's good enough to finish On him more often than he does and it is a bit of An aberration that he has zero goals Right now yeah. because by all accounts with the looks he's had he should have at least a couple yeah two or three i'm not saying this guy's like on pace; should be on pace for 20 right now (laughs) but in in a perfect world where you're trying to deploy three to four actual scoring lines perlini can fit into a bottom six scoring line pretty comfortably he can uh you know the red Wings. if the red wings had the depth
2: to put Phil put down on the third line. I think this would be a different conversation, but they yeah. just don't right they now. They don't.
1: So, Perlini's going to be playing with a center who is not going to do him any favors. While we're talking about Perlini, do you know who doesn't fit that role at all? And I am just about done with. Who? Adam Ernie. I, I knew God, it. he's I knew terrible. It. I was just going to talk to you about Adam Ernie because, no,
2: he has no offensive output. Uh, Adam Ernie, by the numbers, is one of the most effective defenders
1: on the season. Oh, team. he is a fantastic defensive forward. And if the Red Wings are going to deploy – a true shut-down fourth line. I'm all for Adam Ernie being there. But he should never play any role other than that. No, he if, should. If he we is... have eight
0: minutes of penalties, he's playing seven of those minutes. Which we tend to do. Yeah, that's fair. That's because we can't keep up. No. The, yeah. Yeah, that that whole... um
1: Hopefully, he'll come here and find that untapped offensive potential that he had in junior that just hasn't translated to the NHL. Yeah, it's not there. It's not there. It didn't translate because it's
2: not there at the NHL level. Yeah, no. Um, you know those heat maps, that the Hockey HockeyBiz heat maps that Mike puts out? Yep. Um, his offensive impact is actually a positive 3%, which is, you know, all things considered kind of impressive.
1: As he's pulling the double chain.
2: Um His impact on defense… And remember, if you're in your defensive impact on these charts, you want to see a negative number because you're reducing the other team's offensive output by this much. Negative 16%. That's very good. Like, extremely good.
1: Like, so if the Red Wings are to be good in two years and they wanted to throw out a fourth line of, let's say, Luke Lindenning at center, Adam Ernie on wing, and Guy yeah. at right wing, and you're going to throw them out against your Crosbys, your McDavid's, your Kucherov's? So that you're freeing up Larkin and Athanasius lines to just go all offense all the time? I'm here for it. We, I'm absolutely here for it. We
2: had, um, we've had we been having some more conversations recently about the Red Wings' RFAs. And I thought initially, before looking into it a little bit more, that Fabry would be the only RFA that we'd definitely bring back. Uh, not sure about Perlini. Um, you still need roster <laughs> spots, so you got to bring back some of these guys. And you can get them on the cheap. Well, yeah. I'd bring back Ernie if he's not looking for much more than what he's making now.
1: Yeah, no, i I probably bring back Fabry, Ernie yeah, – I'm on the fence about Ernie. Perlini I would bring back just because maybe give him a look with some legitimate scores. I'm talking closer to a mill than not. No, I, I agree. I would probably be pitching for league minimum with these guys if they'd accept it because <clears throat> um, I don't know any other teams that will give them anything more than that. Other than that, if every single one of them walked, I would not be no. even a little bit upset. Um, oh, sorry, and Hirose, obviously. The- obviously. Before we do Babcock, because I'm tired of Babcock and I want to talk about
2: something else beforehand, um, something was brought up to us from uh, a listener, Alec. I don't have the tweet up right now. I believe the guys uh, like Max and Prashanth were talking about uh, potential 2020 first-round picks that could be acquired in trades, uh, and if there are any teams that were prime candidates to trade their 2020 first-round picks, just to maximize the chance of, or maximize first-round picks next year. Um... We want to explore Alec, It's Alex Seaman uh, who wants us to explore What teams could be good options that might yield a lottery pick
1: That might yield a lottery pick That's a difficult one Ooh boy! Um, I,
2: I would say the best option For Detroit right now is a trade with Edmonton um, But that won't be a lottery pick Unless they crash and burn And I don't think we've ever seen Edmonton crash and burn So if we're looking at a team
1: that's Outside of the playoffs right now That thinks they can
0: Minnesota? They've been nope. on a bit of a heater haven't they? No no they have not yeah, they have. Minnesota? Much better. Have yeah. they? Yeah.
1: They're, oh, yeah, they're up there. They're still.
0: Ha, Brad. Out 7 of a one of two. 2. Don't doubt me. Jeez. We don't even wow. have seven
2: wins this year. We have actually only seven wins this year. Oh, that's sad. Oh, I hate that. Uh, I Washington
0: be- has won six in a row. They have almost as many wins in this win streak <laughs> that we have total. Well, in their last 10, they have. So does Colorado.
2: <laughs> yeah. There are two teams that are eight, one and one in their last 10. Oh my God. Detroit's 09 and one.
0: And the Flyers are seven, two and one. So they have just as many in their last just 10. Just as many.
2: Yeah. Colorado. Ugh.
0: Winnipeg's seven, two and one. There's a, a resurgence. Um, okay. Here's, here's the question I'm going to start before we even start exploring these teams. What do the Red Wings have
1: worth giving up? Athens, you. That's it. That's the end of the list, but that's a pretty good trade piece that is, is as good as you're going to find on any year. is he lottery pick good though because i would say no uh
2: i think there's plenty of teams stupid enough to give up a lottery pick for Art. because they don't view themselves as a lottery team especially after getting Athens CU. but we've seen this before they can acquire this player and a bunch of other things can go wrong and look at when vegas acquired tatar he he didn't fit in at all there calgary might be a good bet on this one the way their season's going yeah but they've turned it around since firing bill peters or i mean since he resigned um that whole thing was not funny, but it, it, in a funny way, it worked it's, out for Calgary because they needed to be firing their coach already based on how the season was going. But they had an internal policy of like they hate these midseason moves and they didn't want to do it again. Um, so Nashville's pretty comfortably out of a playoff spot too, and Will Poyle want Well, Poyle is pretty stingy though. You know he, he's not. I'm not sure you're going to get a first round pick out of him.
1: Man, I just realized. I'm happy this question came up because I'm actually looking through the standings for the first time in probably about a week here, like closely. There's a five point gap between eighth and ninth in the East. Like the playoff picture might already be pretty set in the East. Yeah, cause and that, the funny thing is, Toronto and Tampa are out because Atlanta or the Atlantic sucks.
2: The Atlantic division is brutal, man. You have um Florida and Buffalo <laughs> in there. Uh, let's, see, let, let's see, fifth place in the Metro has more than second place, more points than second place in the Atlantic. Think about that. The oh. 32 points gets you a, a divisional seed in the Atlantic division. So you are in the playoffs in a divisional seed, not even a wild card. 32 points puts you in sixth place in the Metropolitan. You are not even close to being a playoff team. The Atlantic blows this year. We are. The, That's
0: because of Toronto and Buffalo for
2: the yeah, most part. absolutely
1: it's because of them. It's not Detroit's fault. Oh, man.
0: Or Ottawa. I mean,
1: Tampa has three games in hand, but even if they win all three of those games on Carolina, that only ties them for the last playoff spot. What is going on? It's just a perfect storm. Detroit sucked for a long time. Ottawa sucked for a long time. Toronto's
2: being Toronto. And Tampa's, you know, they're pretending they're a bad team for the first half of the year before they inevitably turn it around and, you know, beat everyone. Yeah, this is going to be Tampa's year. You know that, right?
1: Yeah, they're going to sneak in to the wild card spot with a late surge and just yeah. take it all. It's and it's funny for reference because Toronto is currently Montreal and Toronto are currently tied for third in the Atlantic, and Tampa's only one point behind. The wild card doesn't matter. The wild card is set. No, this is all going to be for third place in the Atlantic. All right, let's talk about uh, Mike Babcock no uh darren mccarty uh
2: confirmed some stories or at least really uh put out his own version of the stories um to the free press i believe where he mentioned it, in his opinion detroit lost the 09 cup because of mike babcock um i'm just gonna go out there and say i don't think that's exactly a hot take i think detroit should have won the 09 cup and anytime the better team loses that is inherently pinned on the coach i can't think back just much that Babcock did wrong coaching wise that was like very, very apparent, like you know running certain lines or things like that. There was a certain system he was running on the Power play that year, the cycle back to the point that Malkin just pickpocketed every time and that's how Detroit got a million shorthanded goals against those playoffs um, or at least some important ones. But besides that, I can't remember anything agree agreed just said Babcock did. that was visible to us unless you guys have anything else.
0: didn't he elaborate and say his utilization of Zetterberg and Datsuk was not good?
1: Uh Yeah, but he didn't say why. Yeah.
2: And so, you know, I'm not gonna come in here defending Mike Babcock. I've heard enough of how he treats, you know, the staff at Louis Arena and like the people who literally take out the trash that I'm not gonna come out here just uh being devil's advocate for him. Um but I think the important thing to take away from McCarty isn't the whole 09 cup thing, it's the fact that all of this, you know, treatment within the room is now confirmed as far back as two thousand and nine from guys like mccarty yeah. mccarty wouldn't just dish that out if he didn't have a good reason you guys have heard him on this podcast before the guy he's a he's a, a straight shooter as straight
0: shooters come it's one thing for one person to have a bad experience with a coach it's another to now have like four people corroborating the same stories that this person is a bad person yeah that's a pattern at this point and ah. he did give babcock credit and said he's an an amazing tactician and a and a, nobody's better than him as a coach but as a human being he's not a great person and it seems like that the latter half of that just kind of grew and mutated to like absorb and it overtake. gets old on people yeah. very quickly you know it's one thing to be a hard ass and push people to get to get more out of them and and push them to win and it's another thing to just be an asshole yeah <laughs> And that grows old very quickly, especially with people who are professional athletes and have seen good, nice people as coaches. Yeah, these are, these
2: are human beings and these are, like, let's be real. These are guys who, for the most part, not for the most part, a lot of them played college. But a lot of them have come into the NHL through high school or played a few years of college, which were very obviously athletically focused. Like, their formative years and a lot of their growing and development as people happens in the dressing room. They're going to wear a lot of what that coach brings to the room on any given day. And if that if the, what the coach is doing is coming in and slinging shit around, uh, it's not going to sit. And well all about. of
0: them have had hard-nosed coaches before. Of course. So they know what a true hard-ass coach looks like and 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 interacts with them like. So when they know someone like Babcock is doing his antics, they know this isn't because he's a hard ass, it's because he's he just sucks. Uh,
2: a question for you guys. We all played hockey growing up. We've all had the two types of hard coaches. One, the coach who wasn't actually like a hard ass in real life, but he thought that's what you had to be to be a coach, so he put on an act. We all know those ones. And then the Mike Babcocks, who are actually that, like that kind of person. Which was worse to play for, the Babcocks? I think it was the Babcocks too.
0: I'd rather play for a coach who is genuine and who they are, because I'd know what I'm getting every day, than someone who's one than the other. So you you would rather play for the Babcock then? Let's be. Uh, I'd rather you be who you are and coach based on who you are than try and coach and pretend that you're something you're not. At least from the, with the other type of coach, you knew there would be an eventual reprieve from it. It yeah. wasn't twenty
1: four seven. It wasn't every time you stepped into the rink. It wasn't every drill of every practice. Every time you got off the ice after every shift. Yeah, there was a lot of times it would happen because buddy's trying to get on you, but. It wasn't constant. Yeah. And that's a good point. I will go out
2: there and say the coach that everyone would rather play for than the coach that you just described, Brad, Evan's team's going to win a lot more games. Oh,
0: yeah. Everybody's got a different style that works for them. Like some people like a coach that's buddy buddy, like who's a player's coach and is is will do all of that. And some people need to have their ass kicked. Well, the best coach I ever played for is actually he was
2: like just a house league coach. Uh, But the guy really knew hockey. Um, He was a hard coach. He was a tough coach and he wanted you to do the right things. But I I think he walked that line really well because in the room, you know, he would walk up to me and say like, Hannah, you have too much skill to be doing it this way. Like, let's get this right because I know like I'll always remember I was a kid. Like, I was a little kid. He was like, I know you can go out there and fly up the ice like Bobby Orr. We're just going to get you to do the right things. And, like, that's the kind of player I was. I hated, you know, like Brad said, every single drill. Like, I would m- misremember the plays on a drill and the coach wouldn't describe it. And then he'd be screaming at me and single me out, singling me out in a practice. Uh, and I would hate that. I'd fire back at that coach. But this guy that I had, you know, was tough, was firm, but had a lot of positive reinforcement and brought the best out of his players. And I think there's that's that halfway point that well for me as a player that worked i just can't imagine playing for a guy you know who would treat the janitor coming in like well, it's well, yeah
0: it's one thing to be an asshole and it's to just people in general and it's another to be an asshole as a coach like you can scream and yell at players all you want but when you remove the context of hockey from it and you're just a, a shit person outside of that that's completely offside as as a coach and i wouldn't want to play for someone like that
2: you know one thing i thought about the winter classic you guys remember the hbo 24 7 series mm-hmm. remember how against the cameras babcock was oh yeah no we thought that was just babcock like you know camera's no place or dressing room's no place for the camera this is a family you know we need to be able to run our team and uh we don't need all that uh put out in the world that's what everyone assumed it was. Do we think Babcock was that pissed because he couldn't do his usual beratement of the team while the cameras were on?
0: Probably. We saw now him that chase the camera th- away. Now, now that I th- now that I look back, uh, I think it's not because we're one big happy family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we we got to watch Babcock's antics drive Todd Bertuzzi to drinking all on one show. No, yeah, that was the best thing to ever come out of HBO twenty four seven. Was the GIF of Todd Bertuzzi
0: drinking a Corona. Yeah, that's Just, like that. Who's whole... gonna? T- Even Mike Babcock would be dumb to say to tell Todd Bertuzzi to stop. I don't think he could have. I don't. No one could.
2: But Bertuzzi probably actually gave Babcock direction when he came to the ice. <laughs> probably.
0: He's yelling <laughs> at everyone. He's like, except for you, Todd. You're yeah,
2: great. You're good, buddy. Don't worry about it. Uh so where do we land? Um, who's giving us a first round pick? That took some Edmondson.
0: Nah. Oh, oh did get... you guys talk about how Ken Holland kind of Montreal? That's my prediction. Did, did we land on a spot where we said Ken Holland was basically complicit in Mike Babcock's bf, uh, Babcockery? We talked about how he was smart and not saying too much,
2: but that he was. It didn't read like he was all of a sudden oblivious to it, right? Like he almost definitely is complicit and knew, much like Ron Francis definitely knew and didn't do the right if thing about it. If you don't know those things, you have no pulse on your team. No. I it Also, if you're a manager and something happens under you and you didn't know, that is just as bad as if you knew and didn't do anything. Because that is your job as a manager to know.
0: Well, the, didn't Ken Holland basically say, if you don't like it, you can ask for a trade? Uh, yeah, there's conflicting it. stories. Yeah. Uh, what
1: the, the part of Holland's interview that, that caught me was when he was saying, he's like, was there um complaints or, or some uh, displeasure? However, he phrased it. I can't remember exactly. He said, well, yeah, but every team has players who don't like their coach. So it's, because that's one of those fine lines. He's not wrong. He's not, he's not wrong on that, but it was him admitting that players were coming to him with problems. The severity of the complaints, we don't know, but given the severity of what's come out about what Babcock was doing, I have a hard time giving Holland the benefit of the doubt. The only, the only real excuse I could give for him, and it's not a good one, is, well, there's a pretty high probability babcock wasn't the only coach those days employing these tactics oh so, so to holland this probably felt normal still not right yeah, Mike still not Babcock's not the,
0: but, the first asshole coach in nhl history right so
2: what did someone tweet out and it was perfect it was uh it is beyond naive to think that the the whole list of coaches who are You know, have gone this far over the line, whether you're on the Mike Babcock scale or, like, extreme scale, which is a whole different story in Bill Peters. If you think that list starts and ends with who the NHL has fired recently, you are absolutely clueless. Mike Keenan, hello. They are the tip of the iceberg. I mean, this is the same league that still parades out Bobby Hall, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Noted Nazi sympathizer and wife-beater Bobby Hall. So there's there's a lot of work to be done and it's you know they've made some steps we're having this conversation now which is more than we could have said but all right uh brad has a timeline so we're going to get into Overtime, which is brought to you by Motor City Garages. They are a family-owned and operated business servicing metro Detroit. They do garage flooring, cabinets, overhead racks, wall storage, uh, igniting Dylan Larkin and everything to do with your car. Uh, enough of the messy garages everyone is sick of walking through. It's time to turn it into something useful. Whether you like to work on your car or if you'd like an organized space, we have you covered. 3D designs and a lifetime warranty. Motor City Garages. Park in style we're gonna start with patreon uh, alex toger says how does brendan smith drive us nuts when he's here gets traded and then gets shot out of a cannon for that
1: goal who did we have to hurt for this to happen to us did you see that goal Wh- who'd have thought playing brendan smith at ford would actually be a good thing that Not-
0: means dylan macklerath is gonna be on the fourth line next game
1: jonathan erickson buddy Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> Net front
2: presence. Uh, Haroon Khan says, hey, guys, since Eisenman's been taking swings at players in need of a change of scenery, how about Hayden Fleury? Also, how's Valeno doing in the A? Haven't heard too much about him. Thanks, guys. He's been fine. He's been up and down. I mean, there's been a lot of things he's had to work on. But that's I think that's good because it would almost be concerning if Valeno went in there and had no problem in the A. It would make me very distrustful uh, or... or very nervous about him translating to the nhl right like he had to hit a hiccup at some point
1: yeah he's he's been fine he hasn't been lighting the world on fire hasn't looked out of place he's had his good moments uh i think it's already been confirmed that he's going to be released from grand rapids to go play for candidate the world juniors he's mi- so exciting he might actually be the captain of that team or wear a letter so that could boost his confidence a little bit if he has a big <laughs> tournament we'll see um, hopefully, it'll be the anti Zadina World Juniors this year. Hayden Flurry? I'm not too sure. I, I don't. Uh, I've had enough of the big unskilled defensive defenseman, if I'm just being honest. Uh, Antonio Gracia says When's Ryan getting a Peloton
2: bike for the new place? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Only as soon as he starts up his new daily vlog. That was so funny, that commercial. the
1: peloton or the aviation both yeah the aviation gin commercial was amazing i saw that commercial i was like
2: imagine buying your like rail thin hot as hell wife a peloton bike like what (laughs) what do you want man that the worst part is you know
1: that commercial boosted their sales oh 100 percent, because it's everywhere now (laughs) We're talking about it, for God's sakes.
2: Uh, David says, hey, guys, new patron here. David, thank you so much, and welcome to the Dub Dub family. Uh, I recently went to the game, in quotation marks, in Philadelphia and had a pretty fun time, except for a group of fans which were throwing food at us during the game. Ah, that was the mayor of Philadelphia, actually. Uh, At least the building staff was amazing and handled those dweebs. Question for you. What barn has been the worst to you as a visiting fan? Which one had the nicest fans to you? Thanks for making consistently entertaining content.
1: Oh, buddy. Um... I'm trying to think. I haven't really had too many bad experiences at uh, visiting Barnes. Leaf fans try, but they're it's adorable because it's not effective.
0: They put their four brain cells together and come up with some sort of insult. Um, I Leaf was, fans, I find, are pretty grating as well.
1: I was not there as a fan of the opponent's team. I was kind of there as a neutral observer. But uh, Montreal got was a amped up crowd. Uh, the Rangers were the opposite. That was a, a morgue so that's kind of all the input i can give philadelphia
0: fans boston fans move on (laughs) yeah
1: i feel like if i ever went to a game in philly or boston they would win that part of the eastern eastern seaboard there's
0: something in the air there
2: just uh joseph delia says sup my dudes big shout out to security guard brad for sharing that nightmare fuel draft simulator where toronto picks first and chicago drafts i
0: actually will not watch nhl the next the full year after that no maybe five years
2: if you had truth serum and gave it to stevie what question would you ask him also, with us picking fourth, because it's our luck, could Stevie go off the board again? Possibly go after Askarov or Stoitzel. Please spill the beans, guys. Thanks,
1: my dudes. I'd be fine with either of those guys at fourth. Uh,
2: one question to Steve Eiserman. I would want him... I would ask him what his reasonable timeline... Or no, you know what? I would ask him, what is your biggest blockbuster move that you're thinking about to turn this team around? Just to know because the timeline will know the answer to that question, right? It's not an answer that <laughs> anyone will like hearing, but
1: we're talking 2 to
2: 4 years. Um
1: yeah, that's it. that's actually a good one who's who's top of your list. Um I I would ask him <clears throat> how drunk on a nightly basis the 1980s Detroit Red Wings were. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> uh in terms of going off the board at 4, I would almost encourage it at that point like I mean I, the the thing is right now in my like my mind the top three of the draft is set with LaFrenier, Byfield, and Raymond. Mm-hmm. And then at four, you could comfortably and reasonably pick about six guys, Askarov, Stoitzel, Perfetti, Holtz, Drysdale, Rossi. None of them would be crazy there. No. So it's it, we four have- is as of right now, obviously there's a full season, near a full season to change these opinions, but four is where this draft gets fun so from an entertainment standpoint if the red wings pick fourth we're gonna have our hands full we're gonna have all the content in the world and we're gonna have some a plus reactions uh from a getting good standpoint you want to be in the top three though (laughs) liz b says how do we make the wooing at home game stop
2: please stop playing that rick flair video and it'll stop kicking it off for people oh god I know some people don't mind it, and they, they say we're fun suckers, but like watching it on TV, it is painful to listen to. I didn't notice it at all, the game we were at, if I'm being
1: honest. Well, no, it wasn't. It didn't start till after. Oh, really? Yeah. It started, like I would say, halfway through October or towards the end of October. Oh, I don't pay any attention between the whistles, because that's when I'm yelling on Twitter. No, it's during the game. It's during, during the game. play. Yeah. They don't play the
2: video during play. They just play it once, and then the whole crowd for the rest of the game goes, Woo!
1: Come on, I would rather
2: take the come on, abdicator. Uh Philip Gasino says, hey, boys, I told you how I started playing hockey again. And I want to give an update. Game one, dead after the first period and basically useless after the last two periods. Could barely stay on my feet and breathe. Definitely the worst player out there. Team lost. Well, at least you know you are actually playing hockey then because if not- you could breathe by the
1: end, then you're. Dead after the first period I think that's kind of On brand for Evan
0: <laughs> Oh god I'm a one period guy Yeah All the scoring Will come in the first And if it doesn't I just shut it down Evan tries to right. build
1: up A big enough lead That it won't matter <laughs> Yeah plus-
0: I'm a, I'm like the, the New Jersey Devils I trap after the first period And that's <laughs> not because I want to It's because I have to <laughs> Game
2: two, I dominated. Seven shots on goal, got robbed four times. No goals and had two beautiful assists in the game winner. You are me. (laughs) And the goal to get us ahead by two and secure the lead. Most people started hockey as an adult, so they aren't good at the stick. So I would just stick lift and win every puck battle. Couldn't skate past people, but I could stick handle through everyone. On the last goal, it was a one-on-one and I went forehand, backhand, in between the defenseman's leg. who then proceeds to fall on his ass to try and turn around and then dish it to my teammate. And the proceeding 2-on-0 and we scored. It felt amazing. I somehow didn't get tired at all and double shifted a couple times, probably because of the adrenaline I was on. Can't wait to get out there for the third game. That's so awesome
0: to read people go out there and discover their love for hockey. I'm the opposite. I discover I hate hockey all over
1: again. I haven't been on the ice in over a month and I'm going through severe withdrawals.
2: Um, Mitchell Shin- Mitchell Schenkelski says, hey guys, new patron slash new listener in general. Mitchell is a brand new name level sponsor. So Mitchell, thank you so much. Hit the air horn. Yeah, we need to get an air horn for them. And welcome to the Dub Dub family. He says, I just started listening to the podcast about a month ago, around the time Brad had Hank. So congrats as well. Uh, and I just want to take time out to say, time out of my day to say it's awesome. Can't say the same for the Wings, though. I went to the game against Pittsburgh tonight and noticed uh, a lot of dumping the puck with no chase and quite a bit of no-look passes that didn't work out. Almost seemed nervous to have the puck in a lot of situations, on top of just not being able to control it in general. Hate being so negative about a team we all love, but it's upsetting watching them play and feel like there's not much effort coming from them. On a positive note, Comrie looked okay for the first 10 minutes he did play. Anyways, thanks for putting out a great podcast and keep up the great work. Hey, this guy's you, essentially.
1: (laughs) Eric Comrie will save us all. He had the same notes that you had. Eric Comer. was first. He's still
0: young and naive. He's not worn down like Bernie and Howard, who are in the corner rocking themselves back and forth. Uh, <laughs> thank you again, Mitchell.
2: Uh Scott Martin says, What's up, my dudes? Just wanted to say thanks for the great content. You're the first podcast I've got hooked on, and now the only bright spot in an otherwise bleak season. Keep up the good work. That feels great. Scott Martin, another new name level sponsor. Holy oh, thank you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> we really need it. I don't think an air horns
0: actually. We need a soundboard. Like- yeah. Where's that
2: cowbell? Did we hide it from Evans so well that we hid it from ourselves? So. <laughs> yeah, it's- uh, thank you, Scott. That means a lot. Guys, like, for everyone who asks, how do you make it through this tough season with this, like, level of coverage? Uh, it's because, no, yes, that and you. Uh, Rowan says, good day, dud-duds. I can't help but notice that on a team that is heckin' minus 58, all-around good guy, fan favorite, and undisputed hashtag elite player Darren Helm is plus five. That's right, plus five. Now, before Broccoli Rob chimes in about the merits of plus-minus as a stat, I would kindly invite him to shut up. Uh, going to assume you three good old hashtag hockey men are afraid of new opinions and continue to not have <laughs> hockey visionary Mel on the talkie show. Look, I know you're all scared of being the dumbest person in the room, but honestly, it's a very close three-way race each episode. Hashtag free Mel. <laughs> At the end of last game, Mel and like her entire family were in the living room watching the game with me. And she was like in the corner shouting from the rooftop. She's like, and I'm just saying... If you are if you have a lead, just be careful. And if you want to score, the last two minutes is the right time to do it. And especially when you have more players on the ice on a power play. What do the Red Wings do? Score on a power play the last two minutes. And I was just like, oh, my God. She's, she's
1: the coach now. That's just, the get, just get her to walk up to Jeff. Look at me. <laughs> I'm the coach now. Uh, we are at a very real point. Where we're gonna have Mel on some like
2: pretty humorous like YouTube videos, and it's just gonna age so well for her. And we're gonna, one of us is gonna lose our jobs, and it's gonna be me. (laughs) Uh, When you're afraid of new ideas and change, hide yourself in a safe, fresh cheese bag so you don't change and learn more opinions. Safe, fresh cheese bags, a Fournier company and worst case Ontario's choice. Jersey time. How good were the Canucks uh, V jerseys they rolled out in warm ups and auctioned off? If you disagree, go play a quick game of drink, whatever it is, under the laundry sink. Um, okay, here's my take on the Canucks V jerseys. I know they're not; it's not a popular take. I think they're amazing as one-off novelty jerseys. I would have no ambition of ever having them as a main jersey because I think they're objectively not good looking. But they're so not good looking that they're cool as hell.
1: So I think the way they did it, amazing. The the, the jerseys they're wearing during the game were objectively better. Logo uh, still sucks. What? <clears throat> I will fight you.
2: What's the- good about the spaghetti skate?
1: Everything. What isn't good about this? Why skate? is it a
2: spaghetti skate?
1: What's the reasoning behind it? Is it just because it looks cool? Okay, Ryan, our logo is a wing on a wheel. There's at least some Nothing. history. Yeah, there's some history there. It doesn't make sense. Still love it. Um, I'm going to say no. We just, all we need for those jerseys to come back is some like hipster fashion company to actually cut out the V and just have the deepest V-neck ever. <laughs> and then everybody will be wearing it and problem solved We can make it part of Evan's photo shoot that he promised There we go uh, In
2: the discord we decided that mint chocolate chip uh, ice cream is indeed good And if you disagree that you can play another fun game of drink Whatever it is your is in your car radiator Save fresh cheese bags
1: Well I guess I'm going to the radiator then Really? You don't like mint chocolate chip? I'm actually alright with it But as far as chocolate flavors go Mint's near the bottom of the list oh. there, is no, there is no bad chocolate flavor But Wrong. mint is
2: the worst of them Uh Worst chocolate flavors, any kind of chocolate. Best chocolate flavors, what?
1: mint or orange?
0: Ew, orange? Orange you, chocolate's fine. You like those candy. Or- oh, yeah. Oh, you're yeah, sick. Yeah, chocolate oranges. Those
1: serious orange. chocolate oranges are fire, buddy. Yeah, oh, you're both get on, disgusting.
0: Get, me. I get took on board. a bite of the, one of those once, and I did the, like, <laughs> uh, It was like it was burning my tongue. It was so awful. All right, I'll, I'm going to be honest
2: here and say from time to time, I do have a huge craving for chocolate. Uh, mm-hmm. On the cruise, I had probably 35
1: chocolate soft serves. So that's fantastic, and I didn't need to know those details. Anyways, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, uh, point being, if any of you are going and putting mouthwash in your hot chocolate, that's what mint chocolate chip is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so.
2: your Jordan sirik says, "Hey boys, first time commenting, long time listener and patron. Love the show and all the great content. Thank you, Jordan, and thank you for being such a long time patron." Uh, I went to my first uh, Griffin's game of the year, and Mo cider is a beast. Very strong defensively, with some great vision. He does have a nasty side uh, with some of his open ice, ice hits and uh, down in the corners. Uh, from what I saw from the Griffins, they play a lot faster pace game than the Red Wings are this season. Uh, and their power play is um, as fast or reacts fast to the other team's PK when the Wings do. I'm just trying to – I think I had a typo in there. Uh, is this a personal that – is this the personnel that are on the team, or is this the difference in the coach's power plays, game plans from the NHL and AHL? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. A
1: lot has to do with quality
2: of competition. Um, does Hiroshi know how to shoot? Watch him try to pull a Nyquist circling the Ozone for 30 seconds on the power play and not shoot and ended up
1: turning it over. Yeah, I think both his career goals were just tap-ins from the slot area where he didn't actually yeah. have any other choice. He had a snipe, I think. Uh, any information
2: on the Grand Rapids meetup? There are a lot of great breweries in the area. Keep up the great work. Uh, we're still deciding on a venue, but it's definitely the weekend of the 27th and 28th. We're going to be there for uh, the Friday game and the Saturday game. I believe it's Friday, right? Yeah. Friday game, Saturday game. Uh, bigger meetup on the Saturday before the Saturday game. And I believe that's when they auction off jerseys as well. So, um,
0: Dibs on Valeno. That'll be Dibs on
1: Erickson.
2: Oh yeah, those will both go
1: for.
0: The I'll 20. take a Chris dude, dude, Terry jersey, the
1: uh, whatever jerseys the re- uh, the Griffins auctioned off the other night. Ericsson's went for more than Valeno. Yeah, of course it did. Oh, some of those player. were
0: going pretty, dude, pretty high. Valeno was one of the cheaper ones. What the hell? Um, yeah, well, maybe you should play an NHL game. We will,
2: <laughs> noob. We will get uh, the the venue out once that's secured for sure. Oh, also the next weekend will be our end of season meetup in Detroit. So just meetups on meetups. I'm gonna be so tired. Um. <laughs> this one's from I hate poutines and the lions. Justin, damn you. <laughs> Justin changed his name to I hate poutine and the lions, so I'd have to read that out. Uh, fun fact, I do hate the lions. At the same time as loving them, I do hate them. Uh, on your Discord server, people were upset over my dislike in mac and cheese. However, Rowan discovered the truth. I don't like cheese. That would explain why I hate mac and cheese and poutine. It's all, Also, it's ironic that a diehard Packers fan born in Wisconsin doesn't like alcohol and cheese. Yeah, you know what? You're really missing out by not liking cheese curds. Important food question. Do you put your pizza rolls in the microwave or in the oven? Oven if I'm feeling cultured. Microwave if I'm in a desperate enough state to be eating something like pizza rolls. I haven't had pizza rolls in at least 15 years.
1: Is this why you're unhappy all the time? Probably. I you, like.
0: What is uh, a pizza roll?
1: 15-year-old 15, 15 Brad could, p- would only microwave plates. them for whatever that's worth. Uh... Psh, tsh, tsh, tsh i'm gonna go over i legitimately haven't had a pizza roll since i started dating crystal i think so that'd be at least 16 years i'm trying to
2: find a question here from our reddit because we promised some reddit questions as well and then twitter got like a minute so well you can go if you need I might have to. Yeah. Uh Buffalo Soldier 11 says, "So I know you guys have been to Detroit, but have you ever indulged in Metro Detroit in general? Ever been to the best pizza place outside New York and Chicago, i.e. Buddies? Ever experienced the friendliness of Ferndale, the overmarketedness of Royal Oak, or the snootiness of Birmingham? Have you seen Lake St. Clair yet? I uh I'm keeping tally of how much the fans need to entertain you guys." Uh, no to all of the above for me. Uh, I've not had buddies. I've had a few other places. I grew up in Windsor, so I spent a good amount of time in Detroit. I have family all over there. Uh, have been to, uh, Royal Oak, have been to Ferndale. I don't think I've been to Birmingham, actually. And then I have seen Lake St. Clair. No. Uh, Yarvik Seven says, don't want to beat a dead horse, but why did the Bruins bring up sadina if they're going to give him garbage minutes with no goal, Nielsen and Bad Hands Helm? Uh, well, they did move him off that line eventually, but they're for a period,
1: Let's yeah. see how long it lasts. If this is permanent, I'm okay with this. It. It's
0: like resistance training. If you can pull that line, you, you'll be fine in the top six minutes.
1: Um, also, for what it's worth, because I see a lot of people saying, yeah, well, he's playing on the second line in Grand Rapids with Turner Elson. What's the difference? Uh, again, quality of competition. When you're Philip Zadina playing against AHL caliber players, you're going to generate a lot of chances yourself. He's not at the point of doing that in the NHL yet. Harseys says, what team do you think has uh, has go- is going to be hurt the worst from the expansion draft and what team has benefited from it? Oh, God. Um, I don't think any team but Seattle is going to benefit from it. I think the team that's going to get hurt the most is probably going to be Tampa Bay. Oh, uh, I think he was acti- asking actually about the first expansion draft and the team that was hurt oh. the most is Florida.
0: Uh, Wasn't that because of their own stupidity? Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: They lost Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau, which is two-thirds of their top line. Uh, honorable mentions to Minnesota and Anaheim. Who gave up Alex Tuck and Shay Theodore respectively? Uh, benefited the most? I, has anybody benefited? I mean, Detroit losing Thomas Nosek is uh, non-factor. So,
0: yeah, it cool. definitely frees up a roster spot if you're having issues.
2: Yeah, I I can't think of anyone who protected someone that we all
0: criticized that ended up. Didn't being Calgary leave um, <laughs> one of the who? Which defenseman did they protect? And we all thought that was wrong. Oh, I can't remember.
1: I still disagree with the Red Wings protecting Howard over Mrazik. But anyways, Drew, I
2: digress. Drew Mello had a Twitter question showing the six Grand Rapids um, <clears throat> jerseys this year, like the uh, special jerseys that they auctioned off and asked us to rank them. Um, maybe we'll – I posted a tweet from my account. Well, you guys should do yours and we'll post those as well. The best you one is definitely – the, Can I see
0: them somewhere? Yeah,
2: yeah, I'll send them to you. They're definitely the Grand Rapids um, – What's it called? Jurassic Park. Those have to be the best.
0: Are you sending it over... Uh, I'll put it over message. The Book of Face? Yeah. No free ads. Yeah,
2: no No free ads. We'll uh, we'll get to that next episode. For now, uh, because Brad's running out the door, we're going to thank all of you for listening. Uh, thank you to all of our name-level sponsors, especially our brand-new name-level sponsors. Uh, <laughs> Justin changed his name to I Hate Poutine and the Lions, Scott Martin, Luke Johnson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken mike reed aaron taylor Langabier, matthew m rice kayla thompson another brand new name level sponsor ryan lewis sean levine matt mckay hannah lee kaylin wood jacob turner charlie elkins john evans rob thiel craig kibble stan olson and our friend from sweden simon anderson thank you all so much